few years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Hello there, another week, another episode of the Ajitas World Podcast. Your hosts, Tom Hackett and Steve Bartle, uh, with you guys as always. I'm Tom, he's Steve. Hi there. Uh, it's game week. My goodness, Steve. It's game it's week, baby. Game week. Can you believe it? It's just come out of nowhere. It's here. I know. It's, it's just, real. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I can't quite wrap my head around it, to be fair. It's been months of uh, repeated conversation between you and I. Just hoping, praying, you know, whatever you're into, uh, keeping your fingers crossed that maybe Utah football will see the pitch or the field. Goodness, if we're not, I'm not doing my soccer coverage. I apologize. The field. Uh, and that's happening this upcoming Saturday, Rice Eccles Stadium, uh, early afternoon kickoff, Arizona Wildcats in town. And as promised last week, this episode will be dedicated entirely to the Arizona Wildcats, kind of what to expect. Uh, and if you haven't done already, then I would highly recommend heading over to utezone.com, signing up for a subscription, pretty cheap. Uh, Steve, do you know how much they're going for these days? Yeah, I think we've got a deal going right now. It's, I, I believe it's 30% off. Uh, let me, I'll double check on that. But yeah, we've always got deals going. You can come check us out for a week, uh, free, uh, no, no, nothing required. You can check us out, seven day free trial. And then if you want to, hop on board, please feel free to do so. But yeah, we've always got deals going and um, we uh fantastic board. The community at Ute Zone is just a lot of fun and uh, makes, makes the days go by. Uh, you'll, you'll always, uh, you'll always be entertained, but yeah, come check us out. UteZone.com. Look, the bottom line is uh, the more subscribers Ute Zone gets, the more salary Steve makes. So if you like Steve, Basically. do yourself a favor, sign up. You, you won't regret yeah. it. Or at least just do the seven day trial. See if you like it. And if you yeah. do, you will. They've got uh, my point here is they've got previews really happening throughout the entirety of this week. Uh, we are recording this week's episode a tad early and we will drop it a few days earlier than Friday. We're going to start mixing up our podcast episode release times just with the season. Now it would be foolish to upload one on a Friday. If uh, Utah does play on a Friday or they play on a Saturday, then that podcast will quickly become irrelevant. So we will, uh, we, we've been talking, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll do two episodes a week, drop, uh, drop kind of a recap earlier in the week. And then maybe on a, a Wednesday or a Thursday, 
uh, will drop a preview of the upcoming opponent. But that's neither here nor there. Utone.com, in the meantime, will have you go, and kslsports.com, I shouldn't forget, yes. my my employee, will have you guys <laughs> yeah. sorted uh, throughout the throughout the week, leading you up. But this podcast, again, will be dedicated to the Arizona Wildcats, who we're looking out for, who are the danger men on the Wildcats, and uh, what we expect, Nate Wade Subaru folks, uh, getting ready for their busy season. I mean, if, if we're not there yet, we are on the brink of busy season down there at Nate Wade Subaru. Snow, just around the corner. You guys out there driving. Maybe you have a nice car. Ignore the message. But if you're in a car where you're not 100% sure if it'll survive the entirety of the winter, then just don't be foolish. Just head on down to Nate Wade Subaru. You don't have to buy a car that day. They don't expect you to. They just hope to help you out, have uh, get you looking around at all the different makes and models that they have available. And uh, maybe one day, if that day is not the day, they'll get you into a Subaru. I promise you, I just, I promise you, they uh, will not let you down. And you know what the best part about going down to Nate Wade Subaru is they have a very laissez-faire attitude about themselves. Like a lot of car mm. people, car salesmen, Steve, slippery mm. suckers, you know, like yeah. sli- slippery, slimy snakes just hovering through the tall grass waiting for you to pop up and bang, they latch on. They won't let you go until you put down a, a down payment. That's not the case. I mean, these guys, they'll, 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 they'll see how you're holding up, make sure you're healthy, and then they'll just let you kind of peruse. They, they won't bother you necessarily. They'll just let you go. But if you have questions, they'll answer them happily. But it is, uh, it really is quite an enjoyable experience at Nate Wade Subaru. It's 1207 South Main Street, or you can check them out online, natewadesubaru.com. Calm. Steve, where do you want to start? Man, where do we start? The fact that it's game week, man, this is this is unusual. This is it it's it feels good to be in game week again. Uh man, we could uh we could start we could start just about anywhere. Obviously there was some a lot of news yesterday uh coming out. So I mean we could start start there. We could let's start go. Arizona. Yeah, so let's um, start with yesterday's news. Fill us in. Yeah, so let's uh, let's start with Bronson Boyd. He uh, elects to enter the transfer portal. Um, ended up not securing a starting job, and uh, and decided to look elsewhere for an opportunity at, at at playing time. And so, just kind of an interesting story with Bronson Boyd and his career path. You know, at Utah, getting to Utah. If you remember, he was a pretty highly touted receiver recruit coming out of the 2017 class. He originally signed with Texas tech. Um, and after there was, there was an incident that involved the knife, uh, uh, supposedly allegedly, uh, at, at Texas tech that ultimately led to Bronson boy transferring there. Um, and transferring to Utah. He came to Utah uh, in 2017, had to red shirt, as part of his year in residency, as part of the transfer rules, and uh, um, competed as as a wide receiver his first two years before moving to to the defense secondary last spring. So uh, was was hoping for a starting job, and I think if he had a starting job, uh, there obviously wouldn't be any sort of issue with the transfer portal. So I think you can put two and two together there, and, and kind of see he just was not happy about where he ended up on the depth chart and. Um, and has elected to look elsewhere. Which is, I think, surprising to a lot of people. Uh, He started, so Utah's released two 
uh, depth charts so far throughout um, throughout camp. Bronson Boyd was listed as a starting cornerback on the very first depth chart release, probably a month ago or so now. And then earlier this week, or just a few days ago, they announced uh, or released their second depth chart, and he was dropped to the two deep. They moved Clark Phillips from the nickelback position and put him to the cornerback position. And so, uh, you know, it's it's also really what's also odd is I remember being down at practice, kind of right as Bronson Boyd started making his appearances um, at practice uh, at wide receiver. And I just speaking to a few people close to the program. Uh, they were really excited for this young man to, yeah. to come in and have an impact. And they expected, you know, the expectation on Bronson Boyd, Steve, was was quite high. Uh, and to, so to see him uh, not be able to develop into the sort of player that uh, I'm sure he and the football program were hoping for is is a shame. But like all like all the players that decide to enter the transfer portal, we, we wish them all the best in whatever their right. next chapter may include. And I'm sure... Hopefully, Bronson Boyd will land uh, at a program where he can uh, he can at least get playing time. I think that's the key. Yeah, um, just get playing time, see what you're capable of, uh, and maybe the NFL is is all of a sudden a uh, possibility. But right now, he is um, he's not on this on the on the scouts' eyes. You know, he's not right. atop the draft board, so to speak. Uh, at the next level and he needs to find a way to just get playing time doesn't he so yeah uh, that's a shame but um but again it's part of the business that's just the bottom line you can't you can look you you cannot make everybody happy that's that's what it comes down to is there are 120 players 80 or so of them are on scholarship the ones on scholarship do expect playing time uh especially as the years tick on by uh you you do hope to be promoted from special team star to a starting role on the offensive defense. And, and Bronson Boyd hasn't been able to do that. So uh, just another, yeah. just another concern for what is already a very, very shallow defensive uh, unit, isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think it's interesting, obviously, you know, a young defensive secondary now gets a lot younger, Right, you lose the elder state, the elder statesman in Bronson Boyd. He was literally the only junior uh, in the in in the cornerback room, uh, and so you lose that. Uh, but I think it says a lot about Utah and the coaching staff um, that, despite his experience, despite his time in the program, the coaching staff is always going to put the best eleven on the field, and. You know, if you're not up to the task, if you're not playing with the technique, if you're not playing and, and fulfilling your responsibilities and, and playing your assignments, um, the coaching staff is not going to play. They're, they're going to play the the best 11. And I think, um, you know, you fans should feel encouraged uh, by that, that they're they're not going to they're not afraid to make those decisions and and to make those difficult ones and what what might happen uh, and the consequences that that might come with them. Uh, They're going to play the best 11 on the field. And, you know, you've got Clark Phillips, you've got JT Broaden and Malone Mataele, and then you've got a bunch of young guys behind those three. And, you know, yeah, it's probably going to be rough this year. It's you lose a a kid like Bronson Boyd. Yes. He hasn't played much in the defense secondary his time here, but you've got plenty of talent behind him. 
they're inexperienced. They're they're probably going to make some mistakes throughout the year, but you ride with them and you roll with them. And you understand that this is all for their betterment as a group. And, and they're going to be much better in the long run uh, for, for having competed, for having uh, gone through the season and, and battled throughout the season. So it'll be fun to see the guys on the field, see the guys in the secondary in particular uh, moving forward with how, you know, Coach Shaw and how the staff wants to move forward with these guys in the secondary. So, again, like you said, Tom, wish it, wish Bronson the best. Hopefully he, sp- hopefully he finds a spot to transfer to with this whole scholarship crunch between t- the class of 2021 and 2022. You just – you never know. You hope he finds a spot and and uh, and can take advantage of his, his talent because he does have talent. There is talent there. It's just he's he's got to put it all together now. Sure. And uh, I, I guess we've, we've mentioned the depth chart um, and we haven't yet talked about it. So let's, let's start there, Steve, yeah. and, and I'll kind of rattle through uh, some of the changes from that original depth chart that was released uh, a month or so ago. Just feel free to cut me off and, uh, and we can talk about kind of what's going on. Let's start with the offensive line. Uh, Nick Ford yeah. is the starting left tackle still. So he's solidified that spot throughout camp. Now there is a battle going on. At left guard, Braden Daniels, who was listed the starter a month ago, is competing with Keaton Bills, the redshirt freshman. They're listed as uh, an or. So it could either be number 71, Braden Daniels, or number 51, Keaton Bills, at left guard. Uh, Orlando Umana is the starting center. He has solidified that role. Now, th- there's also been a change. This is interesting, and, and I'd love some context yeah. here, uh, Steve. At right guard, so Sat. Sato, Sataoa Laumea, I hope I pronounced mm-hmm. that correctly, is a redshirt fre- red freshman, 6'4", 305. He is the starting right guard, number 78. Big Bam Oliseni, the old 4'5 star recruit from a year ago, he's now lo- no longer at right tackle. He's on the two deep at right guard. And then there's a battle going on at right tackle between Simi Moala, who started most of the games, uh, a year ago uh, with red, with freshman, sorry, I shouldn't even, it's not redshirt freshman, true freshman, Jaron Kump, number 68, who comes in at 65305. Let's start at, uh, let's start at left guard and we'll kind of make our way uh, uh, to right guard and then right tackle. Braden Daniels or Keaton Bills. Now, Steve, correct me if I'm wrong, but Keaton Bills is being uh, somebody that Carl Whittingham has spoken very highly of throughout his press yeah. conferences, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Keaton Bills has been a guy that's, you know, when you're talking about guys challenging for a starting job, this goes back for, I mean, as long as I can remember, since Keaton Bills joined the program, there's been a lot of optimism uh, about his potential and about his ability on the football field. He's got a great frame at six foot four, 310 pounds, a good athlete. Uh, He's got a thick build. Like that's the thing is the weight's evenly distributed. He doesn't doesn't carry bad weight on him. He's just a really big, thick guy. So uh, moves really well. And there's just been, like I said, a lot of optimism about his potential and his ability to contribute on the field very early in his career. And so to see him challenging for a starting job isn't surprising at all. Um, what is a little surprising is the fact that it's it's Braden Daniels uh, that he's challenging and, and, and maybe not just – outright competing for the right guard job and, and, and holding that down. The fact that the Braden Daniels is in a competition with bills is um, I don't want to say disappointing, but surprising 
to say to say something there. And uh, you would hope that with the experience under his belt that he gained last year, that he'd be able to have that spot locked down and and move forward. Um, pro, you know, obviously progressing and making strides in his game and, and having that 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 starting job locked down. But um, you know, at the very least, you're going to have one of those guys earn the job, and and there's going to be a lot of confidence in either one of them. So. Uh, very interesting starting there at left guard. Yeah, I, I, um, I do want to add, Steve, quickly. Like, yeah. Braden Daniels, he's just a sophomore. So he played as a freshman right. last year. And, I, and look, the last two games of the season weren't all that um, impressive from not just Braden Daniels, but the offensive line as a whole. They, they they did struggle against Oregon and then Texas in the bowl game. And, and I thought Braden Daniels was somebody that really did lack um, uh, or was rather exposed against those teams. Right. And so it's not yeah. like he ended 2019, Braden Daniels, on a high note. He probably ended, if anything, on a, on a sour note. And so, um, and so, look, he still has plenty to prove, but he was just a freshman last year, which is what's so exciting. Keaton Bills, redshirt freshman. So um, hopefully whoever wins that job. But the bottom, the other thing is, like, with all this competition going on, it's, it's nothing, that's nothing but positive news for Coach Whittingham and his staff. Uh, Coach Harding in charge of the offensive line, they get to pick the best players that particular week. And it may change every now and again, depending yeah. on the personnel on the defensive side. But it's options. And at the end of the day, when, when you have somebody pushing you for your starting position, it does make you play at a higher level. So that's the good news. Okay, Sata Oa Laumea, assuming you're done with the left guard position, who on earth is this young man? And what do we need to know, Steve? Oh, man, Sata Oa Laumea. Uh, this kid was a four-star recruit in the same class as, as Bamadelio Lasini. So 2019, he came in with Bam and Jordan Wilmore and, and that group. And he's He's a quiet kid, like very quiet, um, really fits into the personality of the program. Um, <laughs> uh, just a really quiet kid. But this kid is just he's naturally strong. Like I remember I got an opportunity to watch him at the Polynesian Bowl uh, in January of 2019. And that was when uh, Siaki Ika, uh, the, uh, the the big four star defensive tackle that was playing at East, who went to LSU, um, he was in attendance and, and Satao and, and Siaki went at it uh, a handful of times and Siaki, uh, I mean, uh, Satao held his own against Siaki and, and, uh, just a naturally strong kid, very athletic for his size, moves really well, moves how you want to see an offensive lineman move. Um, and so he's made a lot of progress in his game. He had to refine some technique. He had, had to, to get a little, add a little more weight room strength. Like he's naturally strong and naturally powerful, but he had to fill out a little bit, add some size so that he could properly, you know, compete at this level, still just kind of a young body when he joined the program. But that red shirt year was super beneficial for him. And to see him, you know, earn the starting job is a little bit, or, or at least be listed as a starter. I shouldn't say he's earned the job yet, but to see him listed as a starter at this point um, is a little bit surprising but it's it's not surprising because he's fully capable of this type of thing. Yeah, and uh, well, that's look. It's exciting to to hear about names that a lot of Utah fans probably haven't heard much about because it shows that the young fellas are starting to step mm-hmm. up and and make an impact. And then, what do you make of of Simi Mawala, Jaron Kump? Jaron Kump, much more, much like Keaton Bills, has been one that Carl Whittingham has talked about a lot. Yeah, no, and and this this one where where I was a little bit down on on 
on uh, on on Braden Daniels at left guard, you know, in in that situation. I'm not down on Simi Moala here at all. Like from everything that I've heard, I've heard Simi Moala has made a good deal of progress uh, getting into his second year. This is just the fact that you've got you've got a really special talent in Jaron Kump who has come in. He returned from his mission in May um, at about 270 pounds. He got right to work. I think he actually got home a little bit earlier than May. I think it was actually March or April, but he got home. He went right, right to work in the weight room, um, joined the program at 300 pounds, and uh, he is just an athletic marvel, six foot six, 300 pounds. We were talking about this, I think, in the last episode. Kyle Whittingham shared that he's running gassers after practice, and his times are the equivalent of that of the skill players, the receivers, and and defensive backs. And to do that at 310 pounds is just it, – it's absurd to me that he's able to do that. And so you've got a really special talent in Jaron Kump. Um, I remember – so Dan, my boss, Dan Sorensen at EatZone.com, um, when we were covering his recruitment in 2018, 2017, 2018, um, Dan went and watched him live. And I remember that night he got on the phone with me and he said, this is, this is a, a top – first, second, third round type of a, of a player in the NFL draft. Like that's, that's the type of potential this kid has. And so to see him earn this spot on, on the depth chart is not surprising at all. And, and this is a really encouraging sign that you've got him challenging for a spot as a true freshman. It, it speaks. So this is more complimentary of Jaron Kump than it is knocking Simi Mwala because Simi Mwala has played well. You've got two pretty good options here at right tackle, uh, and and get, and provides a lot of depth. So uh, you've got should be fun to see how this actually shakes out. Yeah, no, no kidding. Simi Moala, much like Brian Daniels, a sophomore, got uh, fourteen games under his belt, twelve of which he started. So just you know, a ton of experience from guys that are really quite young in the program. Jaron Kump. Uh, obviously, a freshman, true freshman. Uh, just really impressive to see he's causing that much of, of havoc, I guess, at such a young mm-hmm. age. Uh, the tight end position, no real movement. Dalton Kincaid has been added to the rotation, although they still list Cole Fotheringham and Brant Keithy as the one or two. You know, they haven't separated either of them. I imagine we see a lot of Fotheringham, a lot of Keithy, and a lot of Kincaid. That's my best guess. Quarterback, still no giveaway there. Drew Lisk or Jake Bentley or Cam Rising. You and I who know who it is but we are not allowed to share we love you though and thank you guys for listening uh running back <laughs> devon brumfield or jordan wilmore but steve i think it's fair to assume that there are going to be a ton of young guys that are also going to get some reps in in the sense of uh, ty jordan and, and and maybe some others am i correct in saying that yeah yeah no absolutely so you've got obviously brumfield and wilmore and 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 the backfield is theirs. Like they're the the primary guys that Utah's going to roll with. But Utah's got some some really good freshmen. One true freshman, Ty Jordan, has been the talk of the town since he joined the program and um, has really done some some impressive things. He's a track guy. He's ran 100 meters, four five forty seconds. Just cat quick, super fast, great speed. Um, kind of a compact type of a guy. Five seven, five eight that kind of height, but really well built, just shy of 200 pounds. So he's a, he's a kid where um, he primarily played running back as a junior in high school, but as a senior uh, was utilized 
as a slot receiver, as an outside receiver. And so he has that kind of versatility where you can use him in a bunch of unique ways to complement the other running backs. And similarly is, is Makai Bernard, who is a redshirt freshman, but he's still only 18 years old. He was, he joined the program as a 17 year old um, redshirted last year. Uh, and he's kind of of that same versatile running back. He's a little bit more on, uh, he's a little bit taller at 5'11", 6 foot, about 200 pounds. Um, and again, can do a lot of different things. He can be utilized out of the slot at, as a receiver, can be used in those jet sweep type things. So you've got a nice blend of, of running backs here. You've got your bruiser and Brumfield. You've got just a dynamic talent in Wilmore. So a lot of fun. Um, a lot of fun options here and how Ludwig is going to utilize him. And this is kind of the encouraging thing is over the last, over recent history, wherever Ludwig has been, he's always utilized multiple backs. You can go to Vanderbilt, you can go to Wisconsin. He's utilized multiple backs in a number of ways. And the fact that you now have this type of depth, uh, Ludwig, Ludwig will definitely use these guys uh, and take advantage of their, of their talent. The wide receiver position, no real change. Look, you're going to get a, a large mix of Brian Thompson, Samson Nakua, Solomon Enos, Britton Covey. They're kind of your big ones. But then uh, mm. Devon Vele is a redshirt freshman. He's listed on the two deep. Number 17, so I would keep your eyes peeled for him. He's played most yeah. of his minutes on special teams uh, to date. But he has played in, what, four games? And he actually got the one start. I believe against Texas, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, and so that's uh, somebody keep your eye on. Let's move to the defense. We'll move quickly. Mika Tafua, Hualti Pututau, Viane Mawala, Max Tupai, they are starters from left end to right end. Uh, the two deep at the end positions, Blake Keithy, so Brant Keithy's brother, uh, who I know uh, a lot of people around the building were actually more excited to get Blake into the yeah. program than they were Brant. And I, need, and I know you've reiterated that on occasion, Steve. So it's good to see Blake uh, prob- probably going to be seen number 91. Keep your eyes feel- peeled for him. And then Van Fillinger, uh, the big product at a corner Canyon, once committed to Texas, flipped late. He's listed as a backup at the right end behind Max Tupai E. Uh, Tennessee Pututau uh, is a is a is a backup at left tackle, and then Mickey. Uh, oh, come on, help me out here. Sugaturanga. Thank you. Sugaturanga. So Thank you yep. so so much. Redshirt freshman. He's a backup at right tackle. So that's all all pretty boring. Nephi Sewell is uh, going to be playing alongside Devin Lloyd at back with Andrew Mataafa and Sioni Fotu as the backups, and then this is where kind of they've shifted right. Uh, and I'd love uh, some of your input here. So Travis Broughton is uh, one cornerback. Clark Phillips, the third, is another. And Malone, M- Malone Mata-Ele is at the nickelback. What do you make of, uh, I guess, Malone Mata-Ele in particular, Steve? Well, it says a lot that he was he was the guy that kind of earned the job. But there were, obviously, we've talked about Bronson Boyd, um, those four guys, and you've only got three starting jobs. And the fact that he was able to lock down the nickel spot, um, Whittingham talked about it throughout camp was – the nickel is the most difficult spot in their defense just because of everything that is required of them, both in coverage, but also in run support. They've got to be um, physical. They've got to be willing to take on blockers and, and be good sound tacklers. And so there is a lot of trust uh, in whoever is playing that nickel spot um, from the coaching staff. And so that says a lot about Mataele and the progress that he's made. Um, they feel confident in him and, 
so confident that they they were willing to move Clark out out to the outside. Um, so you, you have to be encouraged there. Um, both Shaw and Whittingham talked about JT Broughton being the number one corner on on the depth chart. Uh, they brought him in uh, in that 2019 class as a kind of a late pickup, and they were shocked that they were able to find him so late. I, I, I think he didn't pick up an offer until January and joined the program in February. So he was a really late find, um, and they are absolutely thrilled that they were able to get him where they did because he's, he's turned out to be a, a kind of that diamond in the rough. So credit to the scouting staff, to, to the recruiting staff for, for putting in the work and, and scouting him, but uh, they feel really confident about him. And then obviously Clark Phillips, um, the highly touted recruit in last year's class, um, formerly Ohio State commit, um, flipped to Utah very, very late. I, basically, <laughs> the final week of visits, uh, he flipped to Utah. He's coming in, and uh, there's he's the thing of about Clark. It's not just that he's a highly regarded talent. Uh, he's an athletic marvel. It's not just that. It's his work ethic off the field. It's his willingness to to get in the film room and study and to be in the playbook and to learn as much as he can about responsibilities and to study and all of that kind of stuff, all the stuff that we don't talk about uh, that deserves more discussion and deserves more credit, all that stuff that, that guys are willing to do to kind of separate themselves. That's what Clark has done since he's been here. So a lot of confidence in him uh, that he's going to be a a good player. Uh, And so you know, this is the secondary. And then behind them, you've got two guys, both of which are freshmen, Fabian Marks and Kane Savage. Fabian, kind of that same thing as JT Broughton. He was a very late pickup, um, but they're absolutely thrilled to to land him. Uh, he was a guy that he comes from football bloodlines. His brother played at Alabama. Uh, and so he's a little bit further ahead, Fabian, in terms of technique and playing the game the right way. And He's probably the number four guy with Kane Savage now uh, moving up as well. So a lot of youth, obviously, in that secondary, but a lot of talent nonetheless. Uh, And then this is quite interesting. All right, so a month ago, Vontae Davis was listed as the starting strong safety, and RJ Hubert Mm -hmm. was the starting free safety. Vontae Davis has made the move from strong, and how he's starting at free. And Nate Ritchie, who was a backup to Vontae, at strong is listed as the starter. So you've got Vontae Davis, a senior at free safety, Nate Ritchie, a true freshman out of lone peak at strong safety. Where has RJ Hubert gone? Uh, he did get injured late last year. Does that have anything to do with it, Steve? Yeah. Whittingham kind of talked about it um, uh, yesterday. Uh, it's just, he, so obviously he talked about Hubert being 100% ready to go, cleared, uh, and he was going to be given uh, the full amount of reps to see where he's at. And so as they've gone through camp, uh, it just became apparent that, um, you know, he's not fully ready to go. And I think Whittingham even made the comment that Hubert is further behind in his recovery than Britton Covey was uh, when he was returning from his injury. And so if you, if you remember both, both of those, so those two uh, suffered – knee injuries in the Pac-12 championship game. So very similar timelines. And it sounds like RJ Hubert is a bit further behind uh, his recovery timeline than, than Covey was in his. So um, he's, it's, it, that's all that it is. Uh, they, they, 
uh, tried to give him reps to see if he could do it. And it's just, it, it became pretty clear, pretty evident that he's just not ready to go. So going to roll with Vontae Davis at free safety. Uh, and then you've got three true freshmen, um, you know, on that safety depth chart with Zia Maya Vaughn uh, backing up Vontae Davis at free safety. And then you've got the two highly touted recruits in Nate Ritchie and, and Kamui Latu uh, going at strong safety. And those guys are going to be counted on to make plays early and often. So uh, pretty, pretty young, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll obviously see what these guys are made of pretty quick here. And then we do have a, a, a battle going on at kicker, as we talked about last week. Jaden Redding or Jordan Noyes is how it looks right now. Jaden Redding had a long of 42 a year ago. It was pretty accurate. Didn't have a ton of kicks, though. Jordan Noyes is the Englishman who does have a leg on him. But again, just a freshman. Uh, has never played a, a competitive game of American football. So just putting pads on and, and, and knowing how to strap up the helmet was something he was trying to figure out not all that long ago, but Jordan Noyes certainly has more upside than Jaden Redding. Uh, interesting tidbit for you guys. So Jordan Noyes's wife is cousins to Matt Gay's wife. There's the connection. That's how Jordan was able to move from England over to Utah. Uh, kind of Matt, Matty Gay set that path up. Matty Gay, by the way, served a mission, if I'm not mistaken, in England, and I think that's where he met his wife. But don't quote me on that. I'm sure I'll get a text from Maddie saying, you're wrong, you don't even know who I am. Block my number. Good. Uh, <laughs> Steve, is there anything else you want to add on here before we make our transition to Arizona? No, I'd, let's let's get into Arizona. Let's go. All right. So here uh, we were sent by Paul Kirk, the SID at Utah. We were sent kind of the um, the game notes, if you will, for this upcoming Saturday afternoon. And this is where, uh, by the way, I think the line, Steve, is set at 14 odd points. And if I'm a betting man, and I will be in Mesquite this weekend, I am taking the under for sure. And I, I, it's no hit on uh, on Utah, I promise, but it's meant to be 54 degrees with a 60% chance of rain. So I just, yeah, 14 points one, that's a lot. Last year, for example, there was it was 22 point margin and they ended up covering rather easily. But this is a different Utah team with still so many unanswered questions. I just think 14 points in the wet is going to be challenging. Uh, this, is, this is really all you need to know about Arizona, and this is, I'm joking, but when they put out their, their PDF, right, the game notes, they listed spotlight mm-hmm. players, and there were three of them, Steve. Uh, Grant Gunnell, the quarterback, who's, who's rather yep. well advertised at this point, a very elusive passing quarterback. So if there is rain Saturday afternoon, that will uh, dampen, pun the pun, his ability to throw the football. Running back Gary Brightwell is somebody that can play uh, over the course yeah. of his career. He's got not just shy of a thousand yards, nine hundred and fifteen from one hundred and fifty-seven attempts. Uh, so he's somebody that look he he can he can run he can run the rock. So so you got to be careful of Gary Brightwell. He's going to be donning the number zero on Saturday. But here's where it gets interesting: the third and final spotlight player, Steve, is their kicker, Lucas Havrisic. And uh, look, I, I, I love me a little uh, little kicker punter spotlight. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm all about it, really. But on any 
half decent, not even good, on any half decent football team, if you were to choose three players that you were to spotlight, if one of them is the kicker or punter, you, you're probably not in the uh, the best spot. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's probably some 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 reason for concern if uh, you're Kevin Sumlin and the head coach of the Arizona Wildcats. Is that fair, Steve, for me to say? Uh, yeah, I think that's kind of fair. Um, <laughs> uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be very very uh, interesting to see who steps up as playmakers, right? You've you've already talked about it, uh, Grant Cannell, uh, Gary Brightwell. Those are going to be the guys that will be counted on, and those are the those are obviously the the top of the the scouting report type guys right and so then it becomes like who's going to be the guys that make plays and and you're looking at receivers Arizona hasn't really utilized the tight end position um, over the last few years while someone has been there uh, they've they've made the vow that they're going to use the tight end position a little bit more but uh, until it's actually something that they do you just kind of have to you know take it with a grain of salt. Um, so you look at their receivers, uh, they, they do have some talent there. And, and the name that I want to start with is actually Booby Curry. He's actually the, a high school teammate of Grant Gannell. Uh, they were both in that 2019 class, and both of them came to the state uh, or to Arizona um, from the state of Texas. So there's already a, a pre-built chemistry between those two. And I look at Booby Curry as kind of being the receiver that – Utah needs to prepare for the most just because he didn't really play last year. There's not a lot of tape uh, available on him, but he's a guy you just don't want to be surprised by. You need to prepare for him. Um, Utah's done well against some of their other receivers, Jameer Joyner uh, and, and Brian Castile, both of which are, are more like slot receivers, but Booby Curry is kind of your prototypical outside receiver. He's six foot two, about 205 pounds. Um, I think he's a guy, if you're Arizona, you're, you're hoping that he's a guy that, that can break out this year. And so if I'm Utah, I'm preparing for, uh, for Booby Curry. Uh, but until these guys actually step up, yeah, you're, you're, uh, <laughs> you know, your highlight players, it's going to be a kicker until you have one of these other guys step up and, and, and prove that they're capable of being a top, top player, top highlight playmaker. They do have size on the offensive um, side of the ball. Like Booby Curry, for example, I mean, he's 6'2", which is pretty good. They've got a slot receiver in Jamari Joyner at 6'1". I think that's pretty big for a slot receiver. I mean, Brenton Covey, you know, for crying out loud. And even uh, Jalen Dixon prior to his departure. I mean, they clock in at about 5'9", you know, in heels. So um, mm-hmm. so 6'1", for a slot receiver, is, is kind of a difficult matchup, depending how... Utah wants to handle that if they throw a linebacker or they drop one of the safeties onto Jamari Joyner. Um, their offensive line's tall as well. You know, 6'5 to 6'4 is what they list at. Uh, the sh- like the shortest player, for example, on, on the offensive side that's listed as a starter is Brian Castile, number five, and he's at six feet on the nose. So uh, even their even their tailbacks at 6'1", 220, Gary Brightwell. So he's kind of a, a bigger boy uh, at 220. He's, he's, he's obviously broad and can, can, can uh, capitalize on short down situations, but um, it's an offense that certainly much like Utah's defense 
has a number of question marks still pending. So uh, those, I imagine, will be answered come this Saturday. What, what, what do we need to know about this this defense, Steve? It's it's actually got quite a nice mix of uh, some some experienced, more veterans players, but there are a few freshmen on the on the roster as well. Well, with this defense, I think you have to start with the fact that they have hired a new defensive coordinator. And so, um, you know, we don't know exactly what they're going to do, but what Paul Rhodes is known for uh, is a 3-4 defensive scheme. So you're looking at three defensive linemen, uh, four linebackers, and you're looking for a lot of movement, stunts, twists, that kind of thing up front uh, when you're looking at these. Arizona has never had big bodies. Um, but this year they've added a good amount of depth, still not, in, still not overly impressive, uh, but they've added more depth on the defensive line. So they will be a little bit bigger than, than what we're accustomed to up front. Um, and then, you know, when you're talking about a three, four, you're talking about having four linebackers on the field. Yeah. And part of the reason that Paul Rhodes was brought to Arizona was in part because of this 3-4, because of what Arizona had uh, in, in Tony Fields and, and, uh, and the, uh, the schooler kid, Colin yeah. Schooler. And now both of those guys have transferred out of the program and went elsewhere to play their senior season. So now Arizona only has six scholarship athletes at linebacker, uh, which in a 3-4, that's not a lot of depth. So um, – you know, that they're, they're going to be relying on walk-on players, you know, in that, at that linebacker position uh, throughout the year. So they're a little bit thinner than what they were projected to be, but, um, but they still have some playmakers. Anthony Pandy is, is a fantastic linebacker. That's going to kind of assume the playmaking type of a linebacker, the middle linebacker type that's going to be responsible for everybody. So that's the guy to start with. And then, in the secondary, they do return a good amount of experience, um, and, you sh- and we probably need to start with Lorenzo Burns. He's got he's a redshirt senior. redshirt senior, yeah, and he's got like thirty five starts under his belt, so he's seen it all. He's going to be relied on to be the guy. Uh, they'll probably play a lot of zone coverage, a lot of quarters coverage, so they're just trying to keep everything in front of them and not get beat deep. Um, so. That's going to mean that, you know, and that kind of plays into Utah's favor here where they can just kind of be methodical and patient and kind of just be efficient and work their way down the field and kind of eat up some clock. So um, that's that's everything you need to know about the defense, I think. Yeah, no, I and, and it'll be interesting, right? Because I think early on, uh, Arizona are probably going to try and keep their, their full backers in position without having to blitz them. Uh, and there are, and we talked about it last week, there are question marks on the offensive side for Utah, specifically on that offensive line. How well is that offensive line going to perform under Coach Harding um, with some movement, a fair bit of movement, I should say, from a year ago? I, I do think they'll be able to pick up the the three down linemen that Arizona send. Uh, and I think midway through the first quarter, you're going to start to see a few more blitz packages come Utah's way and they might send a linebacker or two. Maybe they'll send a corner blitz. They'll just try and Mm -hmm. disrupt Utah's rhythm offensively. But look, uh, in a a game that's predicted to be 55 degrees at the start of November, 
with a 60% chance of rain. I, I just have a sneaky suspicion this one's going to come down to uh, the ground game. Steve, uh, do you feel pretty confident as well that the running backs are going to be tasked with, uh, with, with winning this one? Yeah, no, I absolutely do. I'm with you there, Tom. I think, you know, as much as we've talked about the passing game opening up, I think particularly in this game with the weather and, you know, with just kind of not knowing uh, what the defense, what Arizona's defense is going to do exactly. I think you rely on what you, what you know best and that's the running game. Um, You know, you've got the offensive line for it. You've got the playmakers in the backfield to do it. So I'm with you. You're going to rely on, on the running game. You're going to really kind of, um, what it what's what's it called you're going to shorten the game right you're going to shorten the game eat up the clock uh you know limit possessions and that kind of thing just because you want you know you 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 want to limit reps you want to limit uh the amount of plays and that kind of thing so just shorten the game eat the clock we're still going to see utah operating at a at a patient pace um so that's you know i'm i'm 100 with you there tom rely on the run game and, and shorten this game up uh, with that said, our final thoughts on the upcoming matchup with Arizona and Utah. Let's get into some of our score predictions, Steve. I'll go first so that you can think a little more about it if need be. I'm going to go 24-17 Utah um, in a game that, like we've been talking about, is controlled by the Utah running back core uh, and the number of different players that we will see in the backfield for the Utes come this Saturday. What do you reckon? What, what's the score going to be? Yeah, I think it's going to be. So I do think that Utah is going to cover. I think the line is like, what, 14 points Yeah. Uh, for Utah. Um, I do think that they'll cover. I think Utah's got enough talent there. But I, I think it's it's going to be where they get a late score or something like that and just kind of push it. Um, so I'm going to say I'm going to say 31-17. Uh, Utah, I think. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go 31-17. I like that. All right. Well, hey, um, we can't wait to see him out there. Uh, it's It's been just far too long Man, in the making. This offseason has been dire, to say the least. But we are finally here. Uh, Nate Wade Subaru is the proud sponsor of this podcast. Head on down, 1207 South Main Street. Tell them Steve and I sent you, and they'll look after you with special treatment. We guarantee it. Steve, uh, until next time, early next week, we'll jump back on here. We'll talk about the Utah game from this upcoming Saturday. But, again, appreciate you as always, and, um, uh, and thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We'll be back in just a few days' time. Years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.